0: I would like to invite your attention to the book of Jonah this morning. Jonah, if you don't know, is part of the 12 books as we classify as the minor prophets. It is the last 12 books of the Old Testament. And there are the major prophets, which are just before then. And you may be thinking, well, what's the difference between major prophets and minor prophets? Well, the difference is not because the minor prophets had were less important than the major prophets. The only distinction between the major prophets and the minor prophets is that the minor prophets were just shorter in length than the books. And it's unfortunate that they're classified as minor prophets, but they still hold a very important message as we're going to see this morning throughout the book of Jonah. Jonah is, part of the, uh, is probably the most recognized and popular uh, book of the minor prophets among Bible students and really it's popular due to the great fish that swallows up the prophet Do- uh, Jonah. This fascinated me as a kid. It's fascinating to my children when we read about such a story as this. And I can remember when I first uh, heard about this story, of just drawing this picture, and at the time I drew a well, and it's coming up out of the water and swallowing up Jonah. And it just, I don't know why it's so vivid in my mind, but it just made an impression on me in my early childhood. But it's from this event that makes people want to discredit this story as being uh, a true story and thinking it as more of a myth or a tale and not really an actual event. Some people just can't believe that a great big fish would swallow someone up and for that person to survive in the belly of that great fish for three days. And so that brings skepticism towards other people. But you know, no, matter what, no matter what the skeptics say or think about the story in the Bible, there is one who believed that what is written here in the book of Jonah was true. In fact, we find that he referenced it in the New Testament, and that is Jesus Christ. We find that he says this uh, in Matthew chapter 12 because he referred to Jonah as an analogy to his own death and resurrection. And he mentioned that Jonah was a sign because it says in Matthew 12, verse 39 through 41, but he answered and said to them, this is Jesus talking here. He says, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they, pre- or they, because they reprinted at the preaching of Jonah and indeed are greater than Jonah is here. This alone, with Jesus referencing Jonah... And the events that happened within the book of Jonah is ample proof that this was a true event that we are going to discuss here this morning. This is no fairy tale. This is no myth. This actually happened. And so the words of Jesus, with him referencing it and saying that Jonah was a type of himself, being three days and three nights in the belly of the well, so would the Son of Man after his res- uh, being buried, and then there's the resurrection. And so this is, with these inspired words, I want to now take a look at what this book contains. And for most of you, this is uh, nothing new within this book, but there are a few things that I'd like to discuss with you as we go through this book and uh, see if we could better our lives as Christians and learn a few things from the character of Jonah. As the book first opens, we see that God has a message for His prophets. And we see here in verses 1 through 3... Of chapter 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of uh, Amaiatai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So we find right at the very outset here that God has this, uh, His message for the prophet Jonah is simply this. You go to the city of Nineveh, and you tell them to repent. That is all you have to do. And so, we understand if you you do some historical background about the, the city of Nineveh, it was a Gentile city and it was the capital of Assyria. And at this particular time in Jonah's day, the nation of Assyria had, was becoming a rising power and they were feared by many surrounding nations uh, due to their ruthlessness among uh, the surrounding uh, uh, nations around them. And God had used this heathen the nation later on in the years to carry out his judgment by conquering uh, Israel and leading uh, Samaria away into captivity. Well, at first glance, you can kind of see why Jonah didn't want to go. I mean, at, these people are the enemies. These people are going to take him captive. You want me to go over to the, to the enemy and risk my life among these people? Is kind of what Jonah might have been thinking. Well, there's no telling what they would do to him, and some would think that he didn't go to the great distance, that he would have to travel to tell a heathen nation and a brutal nation to repent of their wicked ways. And if you look at the map of where Jonah was and where Nineveh was. It was about a 500 mile journey for him to go all that way. To a nation that's not going to treat him very well. He may risk his life. And so one may think well certainly, certainly we understand why Jonah doesn't want to go. No wonder he wants to go somewhere else than, jo- than Nineveh. Well hold that thought for a minute. Because there's another, another reason that's going to pop up in chapter 4 of why he didn't want to go to Nineveh. Well, since he doesn't want to go, he tries to run from the presence of the Lord, as the Bible says. And here's his first mistake. He tried to get out, out of his duty from God by picking and choosing what God wanted him to do. And since he was already a prophet of the Lord, I doubt he really believed that he could actually free from the presence of the Lord. But even be that as it may, his intent was to get away from the situation as much as possible and then come up with some kind of excuse as to why he didn't carry out the Lord's uh, message. And so in, in his attempt to get out of his mission from God, Jonah had this plan to get away as far as possible. So we read that he got into a ship. He headed for the city of Tarshish. Now, when you look at Tarshish on the map compared to Nineveh, Tarshish was four times the distance than Nineveh was where where Jonah was at. So it was about 2,000 miles away that Jonah was going to flee from the Lord. And so he gets on board, he heads to Tarshish, and I would think at this particular point that Jonah, Jonah thought, I've done it, I've got out of my duty. I don't have to go to Nineveh. I'm busy doing other things. And so his plans were going well. He had run away from God. Well, remember, God knew Jonah. God knew his plans. And God was now going to show his disapproval of what Jonah had done. And so we see in verse number 4 here in chapter 1, where it says, But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. So we find here that while Jonah was sailing off to Tarshish, God caused this great storm on the sea, and it was so rough that these men on the ship feared that the ship was going to fall apart. These men made a desperate attempt to save themselves and the ship by, by throwing the cargo overboard and then offering prayers unto their false gods. Now, while all this was going on, Jonah is not mentioned. Where was Jonah? Jonah. You know where Jonah was? Jonah was down in the bottom of the boat sleeping. Now how one could sleep through through such a storm like that is beyond me. Perhaps he was just a heavy sleeper. I, I have no idea. But the captain knew where Jonah was and so the captain came on down and he, Jonah, he told Jonah to wake up and start to question Jonah. Why is all this happening to us? Are you responsible for all this great storm that's happening to us? After all we're about to lose our lives here. We've got to throw all the stuff overboard just to save, save the ship and save our lives. And so they begin to question Jonah here in verses uh, 8 through 12. So they said to him, Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country and of what people are you? So he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. And so we see here that Jonah tells the truth, he tells them all that was going on, why they're experiencing this great storm, and why it had come about, and he knew it was a punishment from God because of his disobedience to do what God wanted him to do. We've seen in times past where God told people, you need to do this, you need to obey my word, and if you don't, you will be punished, time and time again. That happens, no matter to a nation or to a certain group of people or to one individual. It happens over and over and over again. God said, Please do what I tell you to do. But if you don't, there's going to be a punishment. And God is faithful to His word. If you do not do it, you will be punished. And so is the case with Jonah. And Jonah knows that. Jonah's in trouble now. And so, after Jonah had told him all these things, he said, You know, I have a remedy. Just throw me overboard and the sea will become uh, become calm and you guys will be okay. Now, the men had heard this, but they didn't wanna quite jump to conclusions quite yet as to the remedy for, for this storm to calm. Because they tried in their own power to try to save this ship even more, but after a while they decided we can't really save ourselves. We can't really save the ship. And so what they did, they finally decided to throw Jonah overboard. And you know what? Just like that, the storm calmed. Just like that. Now it's interesting to note that from this event in verse number 16 that those men who had believed in their false gods had now become believers in the one true God. That kind of jumps off the page for me. And it's interesting to me because you never know through whatever circumstance, whatever you say, whatever you do, you never know when one person could become a believer in the one true God in whatever circumstance. I highly doubt Jonah would have realized that these people will believe in God because then throw me overboard and the salt and the sea just calmed me like it did. But they did. They worshiped the Lord after that sea had calmed. And they took they they offered a sacrifice to him. And they took vows as well, as the Bible says. So Jonah, he's now out at sea all by himself, with all this cargo that had been thrown overboard. And here's what happens next in verse number 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, I have put myself in Jonah's shoes many times before when thinking about this particular situation. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd be so scared to death being out in open water like that all by yourself because you're helpless. There you are floating. you're trying to fight for your life to stay afloat. You have no idea what's underneath you. And just that openness, to me, is scary enough. But now all of a sudden, and I, know, I don't know how, how all this came about. Of course, the Bible says that the Lord had prepared this great fish to swallow Jonah. I don't know if it surfaced a couple times, and Jonah kind of seeing out there, thinking, what in the world is that? I've got to swim away as quick as I can before that thing gets to me. But then this thing coming up with its mouth wide open and is swallowing Jonah up. Now that, it scares me just to think about something like that. And Jonah thinking, this is it. This is how I'm going to die. I'm going to drown. Within the belly of this great fish that the Lord had prepared. But that would be so horrifying. But... In this one event, here's where people get all caught up in their skepticism, saying that there's no way that a whale can swallow a human, and even for a human to survive three days in the well. But there is one thing to note about this. Whoever said it's a whale? Where do we read in the Bible that this is a whale in the book of Jonah? We have no idea if it's a whale or not. All we know is that God prepared a great fish and it did swallow him. Now we have no idea what the great fish would have been. It could have been some creature that is extinct for all we know. It could have been a whale, but we don't know. Even Jesus referred to it as a great fish in Matthew 12 and verse 40. But whatever it was that God had intended to use to swallow Jonah, it happened, and we just need to take the Bible for what it says. And again, like I said, if Jesus backed up the story, that's good enough for me. We just believe that this great creature swallowed up Jonah. And so, here Jonah is now. He's all scared, probably worn out from the raging sea. He's just been swallowed by this great fish, and he can't see a thing. It's dark in there. I'd imagine it's pitch black, and to me, that'd make it even more scary, but to add to it, he had to stay alive by trying to keep his head on top of the water while in the belly of that great fish. So needless to say, things are not going well for Jonah. He, think, he thought things were going well when he got on that ship. But now look at his situation. It's completely reversed. He's in a life and death situation now. And I'm sure, I'm surely thought this is how he was going to die. But we come to chapter 2 now. And in all desperation... Jonah gives a prayer to God. And I want to read this prayer, verses 2 through 9 of chapter 2 here. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your bellows and your waves passed over me. Then I said... I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters surround me, even to my soul. The deep closes around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down in the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. I like this prayer. I like it because we see a turn in his life. It is a change in Jonah's heart throughout this prayer. He realized he had done wrong. He now wanted the second chance in his life to do the Lord's will. In verse 4, he says that he will look again to to your holy temple, which is the turning point of his repentance. He did not do this at the very beginning when, when he was told to go to Nineveh and to preach the message of God. But he is now ready to carry out this message that God had told him to carry out to those people there in Nineveh. And this prayer is so deep felt. By Jonah. It was a life or death situation for him, and he wanted to be saved. He wanted to live. But Jonah, he knew who to turn to. He knew to turn to God because he was the one who was in control. And as the Bible says here, as he prays, he knew where salvation came from from no other man, from no other being than the Lord. That's whom salvation comes from. And we should keep this in mind. There are, there are things that sometimes that just don't go right in our lives. Maybe we get into trouble with, with debt. Or, or as an extreme, maybe, uh, maybe we're found in a life or, or death situation. But, it, but really, it's at times like these that really make us think of the whole scheme of things. Because at a time like these, when we're feeling so down and so low, that we tend to think about our Lord, don't we? And when we tend to think about our Lord, we realize He knows what's going on. He's in control. And it makes us want to pray more, doesn't it? I don't know what it is, but in times like those, we just feel more closer to God. Because we know that He can get us through it. Jonah realized that. And we would do ourselves a world, of, uh, a world of good if we would realize that too. Moments like this can bless us because it allows, our li- it allows us to refocus our lives to Christ. And to re- rededicate our life to Him. This certainly was Jonah's situation and it made him want to do what God had commanded him. And so because of this prayer, as we'll see in verse number 10 of chapter 2. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah. On the dry land. In other words, God gave him a second chance. And God will ever give us a second chance too. Because he wants us to do what is right. And if it takes two or three or four chances, God is willing to give us those chances. And praise be to him because of that. Now it's at this time that the Lord gives Jonah another command. The message doesn't change. The command doesn't change. He wants Jonah to do just as he had told him before. Because he says in chapter 3 now, verses 1 and 2, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. That's exactly the first message that he gave him. And so Jonah took God's command this time. Because we find in verses 3 and 4 of chapter 3. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. A three day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. So he cried out and said. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And so we see. That Jonah goes up to the city of Nineveh. It it says it was a great city. And it was a three day journey in extent. And some debate as to what this phrase means. But. I I particularly believe that it refers to the extent of the city being so great. Some have tried to measure the city's width based upon the three-day journey and some would suggest that this city is about five to eight miles across. If that's the case, Jonah's got quite a bit of preaching to do around the city of Nineveh. He's got some work to do. But when Jonah entered the city, he began to preach this message. And it's simple. It's short. It's pointed. Yet 40 days and none of us shall be overthrown. If it was just that simple today. Well, this message was enough to get the people to believe God and to change their ways. These people changed. In fact, the Bible goes on to say that they wore sackcloth. They fasted. And it was a widespread movement throughout the entire city. And the word got to the king. And the king did just the same as the rest of the people who were hearing this message from Jonah. And he even made a decree that all men, but not only men, but all animals too, should neither eat nor drink due to the message of the prophet of Jonah. And the king even commanded that everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand in verse number 8. And the reason why? as verse number 9 says, was to try to escape the wrath upon them. They didn't want a destruction. They wanted to be saved too. And so here was their moment of repentance. And so listen to verse 10. Then God saw their works. And let me emphasize works here. He saw their works that they turned from their evil way, And God relented from the disaster that He had said He would bring upon them. And He did not do it. God spared them. Why? Because they heard the message and they repented. That's why. They changed their ways. And if you talk about a perfect example of repentance, here is a perfect example of repentance. Repentance is just not being sorry for what you've done. Repentance involves works, as was evident with these people here in Nineveh. It involves first hearing the message and then being sorry for what you've done, but it doesn't stop there because it also involves making a change in your mind that you're not going to do that again. You're not going to do that again. And then produce works to show your repentance unto the Lord God Almighty. It was God's mercy that had spared Nineveh because of their change. And the same is true today. It is God's mercy that spares us from His wrath when we change our lives to do His will. And we we should be so thankful that God holds His wrath from us because of the repentance that we show. Because none of us want to feel the wrath of God. None of us. But our attention now moves on to chapter 4. Now, when people change their lives for the better, when people decide to dedicate their life to the Lord, there's great rejoicing involved. I mean, there's gladness. Even the Bible says there's there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents. I mean, not only us, but even heaven rejoices over those who change their lives to to dedicate their lives for the Lord. But Jonah here, it's a different story. And it's remarkable to me the fit that Jonah pulls here in chapter 4 about the great change that the people of Nineveh made due to this message preached to them. It says in verses 1 through 4, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in the country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarsus, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah was obviously upset that God had showed his mercy upon Nineveh. In fact, this was the very reason why Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. It wasn't because of the miles. It wasn't because he feared his life. It was because those people did not see fit to receive salvation or mercy from God. In Jonah's mind, at least... He said, I knew that you were going to be merciful to them. They changed their mind. That's why I didn't want to go in the first place. Please kill me now. Get it over with. You talk about a poor attitude. Jonah had a poor attitude here. Well, it didn't matter how wicked those people were. It didn't matter what they had done. As long as they repented, God was merciful unto those people. Jonah just didn't see fit for these people to repent. He had chosen destruction for these people. Now, in view of Jonah's attitude, this calls for some self-examination on my part and really on all of our part. You know, sure, we may not have the kind of hatred and anger that Jonah had towards our fellow man, but perhaps we need to be careful about prejudging who should hear the gospel of Christ. I admit it's easy to stay within our own comfort zone and tell those around us about the gospel of Jesus Christ. After all, it's comfortable for us because these people are our acquaintances, they're our friends, they're our family. But when you consider the big picture, the gospel is just not for them. It's for everybody, everybody. It's for the wealthy, the middle class, the poor. It's for those who don't have any shelter. It's for those who have hit rock bottom. And so on and so forth. It's for everybody. We interact with all kinds of people in our lives. Sometimes, sometimes uh, 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 we may have, uh, we may become uh, interacted with a person that may be a complete stranger. Sometimes we have visitors. We have visitors this morning. We're glad that you're here this morning. We're so glad that you were here. We have all kinds of people that we interact with. And it doesn't matter why people come here, whether it be for maybe their own personal reasons, maybe they're looking for something, maybe look, they're looking for direction in life. It does not matter. But as we, as a member of the body of Christ, a child of God, we cannot prejudge others in their motives or why they're here, but we're glad that they are here, and we have the awesome privilege to tell them about the saving power of Jesus Christ. What a wonderful privilege that is. After all, that power has saved me, it has saved you, and it could save other people. Let's not withhold that from someone. Let's not put forth that wall and risk someone's salvation because we may have the attitude of Jonah that they don't deserve salvation or they're so, so, uh, so down in their lap that there's no way that they could ever come back up. Let's not make that decision for them. Let's offer them the gospel and let them make the choice whether they want salvation or not. We have a great duty and responsibility, but also a wonderful privilege to tell the lost to any or to tell the gospel to anyone. And just think, we might gain a brother or sister because of that. And praise be to God when souls are saved because of the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, Jonah had this bad attitude. He had prejudged them. He wanted judgment upon these people. But God had a lesson to teach to Jonah. It says in verses 5 through 8, So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. And there he had made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come over, came up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was grateful for the plant. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. So it was damp. So it and so it damaged the plant that it withered, and it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that it grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, "It is better for me to die than to live." Now you thought Jonah was mad before. Jonah was even hotter now because of what has, is happening now. All these things are happening there, and I mean he's waiting there for the destruction of Nineveh. And all these bad things are happening now. This great wind, the shade—now the shade's gone, and now this great wind's picked up. Nothing's going right for Jonah. Please kill me, is what he is pleading with the Lord. But the lesson that God was teaching was this, in verses nine through eleven. Then God said to Jonah, "Is it right for you to be angry about the plants?" And he said, "It is right for me to angry, to be angry, even to death." But the Lord said, You have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand or their left and much livestock? So the lesson is this, if Jonah was so concerned about the plant over which he had no control whatsoever, should he have had some understanding of God's compassion for a city which the Lord had total control over? Well, certainly he should have. Souls are more important than plants. And Jonah should have realized that. He valued the plant over the souls of the city. Now, just by way of passing, it mentions 120 Uh, 120,000 persons who cannot discern between the right hand and the left, most agree that's talking about children. And if that's the case, we could kind of make a rough estimate of the number of people within the city. It it has been said to be at least maybe 600,000 people in the city of Nineveh. If that's the case, that just shows about the great, great epic proportions of repentance in the city. And yet Jonah didn't even care. What a sad attitude. And none of us should ever have that type of attitude toward other people. Well, I don't know if Jonah ever changed his mind after this because this is simply how the story ends. I would hope that he did, but this story of Jonah should stay stay in our hearts because of its great teachings. And we've learned three things this morning from this story. Number one, we learn to not run from the commandments of God because if we do, we're going to be held accountable for it and we're going to be punished for it if we choose not to do what God's will is. Number two, we learn not to prejudge others and make our own decisions whether they're fit or not to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then number three, we have learned what true repentance is. Again, repentance just doesn't mean I'm sorry, it involves works. It involves works. May the example of Nineveh's repentance remind us of what Jesus said. Again in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 41. It says the men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it. Because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And indeed. A greater than Jonah is here. And certainly greater than Jonah is here. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he preaches the same message as Jonah did to the people of Nineveh. He preaches repentance. He preaches to change your life. Change your life. Put your life in a direction that God would want you to live. Come to Him. Be saved by His gospel. Obey the words of the Lord, and you will be saved by it. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.